Good morning, C3. Thank you for joining us. We just want to wish all of the moms a happy Mother's Day. And church will start in three, two, one. Good morning and welcome to Christ Community Church. Happy Mother's Day. We're so glad you guys have joined us today. Larry's going to be preaching on loving God with all of your all soul. All of your soul. All yes. of your soul. Yep, Sean's God. back. Thanks yep. for joining us again, Sean. We had a lot of fun without you last week, but we are glad he is back. We're glad you're here today. Join us in worship and sing along with us. For this day, we're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Coming to your name, the glory like a fire will burn our hearts with truth. Because you're the reason we're here, you're the reason we're singing. Hope to see you open up the floodgates a mighty river flowing from your heart feeling every part of our praise your presence in this place your glory on our face we look into the sky ascending like a cloud you're standing with us now Lord, unveil our eyes. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart. Feeling every part of our prayer. your glory show us show us your power show us show us your glory Lord 
Show us, show us your glory. Show us, show us your power. Show us, show us your glory, Lord. Open up the heavens, we want to see you. Open up the floodgates, a mighty river flowing C3 family, happy Mother's Day. Join me for our call to worship found in Isaiah, the 58th chapter, 10th and the 11th verses. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in the sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day called Mother's Day on our nation's calendar. Thank you for keeping and protecting us from dangers seen and unseen. Father, bless our time together today as we gather to worship you and help us to do so in spirit and in truth. Keep us safe, O oh God, in the days to come. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. When peace like a river Attendeth my way When sorrows like sea billows roll Whatever my Lord you have Nailed to the 
Welcome to Christ Community Church and our, our Sunday morning worship service and Bible study. So glad you could be with us. Happy Mother's it's Day. It's Mother's Day. Happy Hooray Mother's Day. moms, uh, mine and my daughters. And mine. And my grandsons. Yeah. Uh, yes. Hooray for all moms. That's Everyone has a mother. Yes. <laughs> some mother and some of them are great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyway, thank you for being with us today. Yeah. Um, this, it's nice to be here. It's it's. I'm just happy as happy heck to be as here. heck to be here. Happy as heck to be yep, here. Yep, that's right. Um, we are continuing in our little series that we have been doing for the last four or five four, weeks. Four weeks, maybe. Um, on the Shema. Yep. Which is a Jewish declaration of faith, a prayer. Um, uh, I don't know. A creed. A creed. A Jewish creed that has been spoken by devout Jewish people every morning and every evening for 3,500 years. I love Mary the, and the historicity of that. Yeah, I love Mary that. and Joseph yeah. quite probably got up every morning and went to bed every evening saying that over Jesus and then teaching Jesus to say it with them. 
And uh, to make it more significant, uh, Jesus was asked what's the most important commandment in the Bible, and he quoted this passage. Now, whether he was saying that this is literally the most important commandment in the Bible, or whether he was saying this is a summary of all of the commandments of the Bible, I don't know. Either way. But either way, it put a lot of weight on it. And uh, we have looked at the word listen, which is where the Shema comes from. The word Shema means listen or hear. We've looked at the word... uh, uh, Heart? Well, uh, hear, O Israel, the the Lord, Yahweh. We looked at the word love. Uh, Well, the Shema, let me say it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Therefore, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. And let these words that I have commanded you today be on your heart continually. And we looked at the word listen. We looked at, looked at the word Lord or Yahweh. We looked at the word love. And we, last week we looked at the word heart. Yep. And so today we're going to look at the word soul. We're supposed to love the Lord with all of our soul. So what is that? Yeah, and so that begs several questions for me that I tried to answer this week as I prepared. One is, what is our soul? Mm-hmm. And how is our soul different from our heart and from our spirit? Uh, and then also, how do you love God with all of your soul? soul. Yeah, so um, I think it's important that we remember last week we looked at the heart, and the heart, according to the Bible, is the place from which I uh, uh, think. It's where my intellectual processes take place. My heart is, according to the Bible, where I feel and have emotions, and it's also where I choose or make decisions. And so that's the heart. And so now we're going to look at the uh, soul. Uh, Bible scholars translated, Charlie, um, the the Hebrew word uh, nephish. Uh, they they ch- the English translators chose the word soul to be the word that they used for the word nephish. Um, and that word nephish, or as we would say in the English Bible, soul. It's, it was used 700 times in the Old Testament alone. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's just, it, that. I say that just to communicate it's important. It has a weight to be used that many times uh, in the Old Testament scriptures communicates that it's an important idea in scripture. It's yeah. an important idea in, in in the English language, too, and in English poetry, I, I'm Last week I talked about John Donne and his religious yes. uh, poem poetry, and uh, I want to share a little bit of a poem that he wrote that involves the idea of the word soul. Some yeah. of you who are English mm-hmm. majors might remember his um, holy poem, "A Valediction Forbidding Morning," mm. and the morning part is the is crying, not no crying. Uh, and the reason he's yeah. he's leaving to go on a trip, and the reason he says to his lover, his wife, "Don't cry," is because don't mourn my my going is because their souls are knit mm. together. They're mm. who they are are knit together. Um, at the beginning of the poem, he likens it to the soul going to heaven, mm-hmm. which I think you're going to talk about. Yes. But but it's also an earthly soul. And he says this. So he's going to leave on this trip, and he says, "Our two souls, therefore, which are one, though I must go." Endure not yet a breach, but an expansion. Mm. 
Like gold to airy thinness beat. Our souls may be apart, our bodies, our souls may be apart, but it's a, a stretching, but not a break. Mm. If they be two, if we are two, they are two so as stiff twin compasses are two, like a compass that you would use for mathematics. Thy mm. soul, the fixed foot, makes no show to move, but doth if the other do. So, like, she yeah. is, st- isn't that good? She is yeah. staying put, and he stretches far on his trip, but they, and they lean with one another, but so they still, still stay as one. with him uh-huh. Some, uh-huh. on some level further away he isn't goes. That good? Yeah, that's great. But I like it that he uses the word soul not as just a spirit, but as. Well, and that's going to. Two people. Yeah, and well, and that's where you've actually brought up one of the important points that I will talk about in a few minutes. And anyway, I'm going to address that. Thank you. Thank you for bringing it up. Yep. Um, Let me just say real quickly, just as a part of the introduction, that the word soul, or actually the word nephish, is a difficult word for us to translate and a difficult word for us to understand. Um, Part of the difficulty is that it is used, the word nephish or soul is used in many different ways. Uh, it is applied to many different circumstances or relationships. And so that makes it challenging. What makes it even more challenging uh, is that because of the Greek influence, uh, the Greek philosophers' influence upon the West, um, people have a very strong view of what the soul is. Mm-hmm. And it's very different from what the Bible teaches a soul to be. And in fact, some of our folks today are going to balk a little bit at what I'm going to teach because they believe what they have been taught from Greek philosophers about what the soul is and what it's not. And I'm going to try to challenge that a little bit just based upon my study of what the Bible says about it. Greek philosophers would teach that the soul is the the non-physical essence of, of uh, that is trapped in our body. We have this, this invisible, non-physical essence that is trapped in our bodies, uh, and yet, according to the Greeks, it's very separate. It's in our bodies, contained in our bodies, but it is very separate from the body. Uh, they made a big distinction in the physical world and the non-physical world, and they emphasized, obviously, the non-physical world um, to the point that you could, what you did with your body, your physical body, really didn't have a lot of influence upon the non-physical part. Mm. Um, and the Bible would, <laughs> would, would, would define that very differently, would see that and explain that very differently. Uh, the biblical definition of the soul, as I've said, is very different. Um, actually, at the end of the day, I sort of cut to the end of the lesson, and that is there is not, according to the Scripture, really much distinction made between our body and our soul and our spirit. Those three words are used, but they are used so interchangeably, and they're used in ways that overlap with each other so often that there's really not biblically a very strong 
distinction or separation between the body, the soul, and the spirit. Uh, spirit being small s, right. our spirit, right. not, not the Holy Spirit. Not the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, the biblical definition of the soul um, really originated with the idea of the throat. That's where the original word came from, was the throat. Um, and it's used that way n- numerous times in the Old Testament. By example, in Exodus, it says, Israel needed water for their dry and thirsty nephish, their dry and thirsty throats. Uh, and then in Psalm, I just read it today in my devotional life, in Psalm 115, just randomly, I read it today, um, it says that Joseph, Jacob's son, was uh, 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 arrested or enslaved, and a, a, a shackle was placed around his nephish, his throat. Uh-huh. So do you see what I'm saying uh-huh. there? So the original idea of the soul uh, comes from this idea of the throat. But since the throat is the doorway to our our life, our body, our being, Ultimately, the word nephesh is used normally, usually, most often in the context of a whole being. It represents our nephesh represents our whole person, our whole life. Uh, by example, in uh, 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 the very end of Genesis, I'm sorry, it's 49 or 50 uh, chapter uh, 49, chapter 49 or 50. It says that. Uh, Jacob led 33 nephishes down to Egypt. Well, he's not saying, or the Bible, uh, the writer isn't saying that Jacob just led the souls and not the bodies and the spirits. It represents the whole person, right? Um, A murderer was called a nephish slayer. A uh, kidnapper was called a nephish thief. Again, you're taking the whole person's life. You're taking away the whole person when you kidnap them. In Genesis, the Bible says that people, uh, that when, when it describes living people, they're called living nephishes. And when they, were, when they died, they were called dead nephishes. Uh, biblically, people do not have souls. People are souls. People don't have a nephish. People are a nephish. They're a whole living person. We use it that way on ships. Absolutely. You know, Thank the, you. the captain of the ship will say we have 200 souls yeah, on or, board. Or a ship sank or a plane crashed and we lost 250 souls. Uh-huh. Well, uh-huh. They're referring to the whole person. Yeah. Uh, and that is that is a biblical perspective, not a Greek uh, philosophical perspective. Um, the nephish does not just refer to my non-physical essence. It refers to my whole being. Let me give you some examples. In Psalm 119, uh, the psalmist says, let me live that I may praise you, O God. Well, in the Hebrew, the, the way it's worded is, let my nephish, my whole being, live that my nephish may praise you, that my whole being may praise you. In Song of Solomon, Solomon loves this, to use the word nephish or soul, when he's talking about the relationship between two lovers, as was your point. Yes. Um, he says, my lover is the one that my nephish loves. What he's saying there is, the one that I love with my whole being. 
David says in Psalm 42, as a deer pants for water, my nephish, my whole being, thirst for God. And then in Isaiah 58, this is probably my favorite, um, the pro- or God says through the prophet Isaiah, he says, use your nephish, use your whole being to satisfy the nephish of the needy. Mm-hmm. And if you do, I will satisfy your nephish. Now, he's not just saying use your soul to satisfy the soul of the needy. He's saying use everything you are to impact with good those that are in need. And if you do that, I will impact all that you are with good. That, that's the point that the author is making there, that God is making there. Um, so, to answer one of the questions I asked originally, you know, how do we love God with our nephesh? How do we love God with our soul? Well, basically it would be we love God with our soul, with our nephesh, when we give to God all that we are, all that I am, my mind, my desires, my feelings, my abilities, my body, my my heart, uh, my spirit. When I give to God, when I yield to God, all that I am, my whole being, that's when I am learning to love God with all of my soul. My soul is what defines me. It's what makes me me. As I said earlier, it's, uh, I don't have a soul. I am a soul. There is no clear distinction in the Bible between the body, the soul, and the spirit. Uh, they are used interchangeably, and they overlap most of the time. What is clear, and I find this very important, is that when we invite, according to Scripture, when we invite the Holy Spirit to come into our lives um, at the point of salvation, He doesn't just come to live in our soul. He comes to live in our body. He comes to live in our soul. And He comes to live in our spirit. Um, he, he, he lives in all of us. Uh, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 3. Don't you realize that you are the temple of God? and that God's Spirit dwells in you. God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. Clearly, Paul is saying that the Holy Spirit lives inside all of us. All of us are the temple of God. Um, So, just I want to take just a second and address something that I know some of uh, the group is wondering about, and that is, what happens to my soul when I die? More practically for you, what happened to your dad's soul in January when he died? Well, let me let me just answer it. It's a very complicated, very involved question, uh, but just in one minute, let me just say this. Two things happen. When a person dies, the Bible would suggest that two things happen. Number one, the Bible would suggest that your soul immediately separates from your body and it goes to be with God. If you read Jesus' parable about the rich man and Lazarus Mm -hmm. in Luke 16, when those two men died, they immediately were in the presence of, of God, if you will. One was in a uh, uh, in uh, Hades, a bad place, the, the, and Lazarus was in a good place, but they weren't sleeping. Now, some people believe in soul sleep, and if they do, that's not a deal breaker. But those two people died, and they were immediately in the presence of something, somewhere, someone. Actually, that's more important. Um, uh, 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 
in Luke 23 when Jesus is on the cross and he says to the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. Not someday or one day, but today you'll be with me. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when we die physically, there is a, that, there is a separation uh, that takes place in our soul. The, everything that is about us, save our bodies, goes to be with God. Okay? At least that's what I believe. But we don't, when we die, we don't just go to be with God. There's also a waiting that takes place. And what we're, what, what that I'm referring to there is we're waiting for two things. Our souls are waiting. They're in the presence of God when we die, but they are also waiting, and they're waiting for two things. They're waiting for a new body. And the idea in the Scripture, if you read 1 Corinthians 15, uh, what it suggests is the soul recognizes instantly, I'm incomplete. Now, I'm no longer whole. I, I, yes, I'm with God, but I'm waiting for something new, a new body, which, and then I'll be complete again. Read uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 42 uh, through 44, please. I will, I will. It is the same with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. Yeah. So our soul and our spirit, if you will, they are waiting for this new body. Yes, they're separate for a while, but they're separate in a realization that they're incomplete mm-hmm. and they're waiting for this new resurrected body that will come and then there'll be a whole nephesh again, if you will. The other thing the Bible suggests that the soul is waiting for is not only waiting for a new body in the presence of God, but they're not only waiting for a new body, they're also waiting for judgment. Our souls recognize that when we die, it's not over. There is something that's going to take place Uh, I'm not saying that the soul necessarily, the person understands all that that involves, but they are waiting in in a realization and acknowledgement that there's going to be a reckoning. Let me give you a couple of verses that suggest this. In Genesis 9, the Bible says, The Lord declares, I will require an accounting of the nephishes of all men, the souls of all men. And then in Ezekiel 18, it says, Behold, God speaking again, Behold, all souls are mine, and I will judge each nephish according to his conduct. Again, our conduct would suggest our bodies. But he says, nephish, I will judge each nephish according to his conduct. So there's a waiting once we're in the presence of God, we're waiting for our new bodies, but we're also waiting for a judgment that we will experience before God. Uh, that judgment will either be based upon how we've lived our lives, or it'll be based upon the righteousness that we have received from Christ as a gift when we accept His death on the cross 
as atonement for our sins. So either I will stand and be judged based upon my performance, how I lived up to the standards of God, the perfection and the holiness of God, or I'll be judged based upon the perfection of Christ and what He gave me when He gave me His righteousness. Um, so anyway, I just find that interesting. Um, I want to end with this, Shirley. Uh, the Bible, last week we talked about the fact that in Proverbs 4, the Bible says, guard your heart. Mm -hmm. Above all things, guard your heart because from it flows all of our life, right? All of our heart, all that we are. Um, and we talked last week about the, how do you guard your heart? Well, the Bible would suggest that we guard our heart by filling it with God's Word. Yep. We guard our heart by obeying what we're reading, finding something, as you talked about last week, and that God says, and then doing it that Even day. if it's just that one thing. One thing. One, do it. Do that today. That helps guard yep. our heart. And then yep. the Bible would also say that we guard our heart by monitoring our tongues. It's a discipline. How we talk reflects the condition of our heart. Well, the Bible also says that we not only should guard our hearts, but we should keep our nephesh. We should keep our souls. How do you do that? Let me read the passage, first of all. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 9, it says, Be careful and keep your nephesh diligently, so that you don't forget the things that you have witnessed or allow them to fade from your heart as long as you live. I guard my heart by filling it with God's Word. I guard my heart by doing what I'm reading, what I, doing what I believe God's telling me to do, and I guard my heart by monitoring my mouth. But the Bible would suggest here in Deuteronomy 4 that I keep my soul by remembering. Hmm. Notice what uh, Moses says. He says, don't forget the things you've witnessed and don't let them fade from your heart. Well, the contrast is, the opposite is, to remember. Yeah. Uh, to, we, we, we keep our souls by remembering who God is. Remembering His values, His passions, His priorities, His ways, His plans, His love for us, His sacrifice for us, His faithfulness to us. We, we keep our souls safe and strong and healthy and intact when we keep them, but when we reflect, when we remember who God is, what God is doing in our lives, how God feels about us, and how God treats us. And we can help that process of keeping our souls by uh, 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 reflecting on God's Word, on what God's done in our lives, uh, filling our lives with spiritual nourishment. But today, I just want to add one more way that I believe very strongly we can keep our souls. And that we need help yeah. remembering. Yes. Because they we, built altars and monuments back then. Yes. We tend to forget. We tend to do the opposite of what Moses says. We tend to forget. We tend to let fade away the things that we know to be true about God and how He relates to us. We need help remembering. And I would just declare to everyone listening that God gave us spiritual community, our church, as an effective, powerful means of helping us remember. We help one another remember when we regularly gather together. 
when we gather and study God's Word together, when we worship together, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, when we pray together, when we help each other and encourage each other and warn one another, as we do those things together on a regular basis, we are helping each other remember. These are not just legalistic duties. Mm -hmm. They're tools that God has given us as gifts to help us remember And in turn, it helps us keep our souls. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says this, When you come together, something wonderful is released, and we will experience encouragement and comfort by each other's faith. One of the ways that we keep our nephishes, our souls strong, is by gathering together regularly and ministering to one another, and helping each other remember through the different activities that we do as a spiritual community. Yeah. So um, I read this just the other day in this devotion book by C.S. Lewis, smattering of his his teachings, and it reads like this. about It's about the church. Okay. No Christian, and indeed no historian, could accept the epigram which defines religion as, quote, what a man does with his solitude. Mm. It was one of the Wesleys, I think, who said that the New Testament knows nothing of solitary religion. Mm. We are forbidden to neglect the assembling of ourselves together. Mm. Christianity is already institutional in the earliest of its documents. The church is the bride of Christ. We are members of one another. Thank you. We need... The body. We need the body to help us effectively remember, mm-hmm. to help us effectively not forget, to help us effectively not let fade that which at one time we believed with such passion and devotion. And yet over time, when our religion becomes uh, that uh, a religion of solitude, we tend to forget and it tends to fade. Please... Um, be encouraged today, be challenged today uh, that God has called us to love Him with all of our souls, with all of our nephishes. And I would just say that by the, by, even in the statement of those very words, uh, I acknowledge how insufficient, how ineffective, how pitiful I, I do it that most of the time. Um, but the, the, good, the, the good news is not how well I love God with all of my soul, with all of my being. The good news is that God loves us with all of His nephish, with all, all of His being. He loves us. And because He loves us with all of His soul, we can learn to love Him with all of our soul. And let us strive this week to uh, learn to do that more effectively. That's a good hope. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper as we conclude today. We're so happy that you could be with us. And if you have some bread and wine nearby, please take that which represents the body of Jesus and some juice or wine that represents His blood. And let's eat and drink today just as a way of declaring that we are the beneficiaries of a love from God That declares he loves us with all of his nephesh, with all of his soul. 
And that gives us hope. That gives us joy. That gives us peace. That gives us strength. And we eat and drink just to declare the gift and the blessing that that is. Thank you again for being with us. Now go and call your mama or take your wife out to uh, lunch and uh, tell her you love her and that you're grateful for her. We're happy you could be with us today. God bless you. And I fall down upon the ground Press my face against the earth Till my heart it rises over my head As the weed it bows down low When the autumn wind blows I kneel before the one I love They find me grateful They find me thankful Find me on my knees And find me dreaming And find me singing And find me lost in your grace Like the dust that you first hailed In a garden where you knelt You pull me up against your face again Till the breath of your hope fills the depths of my soul. Till all I know is I've been found by love. And find me grateful. And find me thankful. And find me on my knees. And find me dreaming. And find me singing And find me lost in your grace Dust that you first hail in a garden where you knelt. You pull me up against your face again. Till the breath of your home fills the depths of my soul. Till all I know is I've been found by love. And find me grateful. Find me thankful and find me on my knees. And find me dreaming and find me singing. Find me lost in your grace.
find me on my knees. Thanks again for joining us this week. We're Christ Community Church. Come back next Sunday, 1015 on Facebook Live and YouTube Live and at Botanic Gardens too. Come join us. Justin, did you bring your knee symbols with you this week? I bet Derek can do that too, can he? With his shorts. Oh my goodness. Come back next week. Have a great Sunday. <laughs> I messed it up. Last week. Oh, that's right. You were here.